how great are those videos, right? Just so amazing. Love each week to, to get to hear these amazing hope stories. And um, yesterday I was watching that video at our house, and because we have watched so many of those videos and heard so many of stories around here, uh, my, my daughter Nora, her and Sadie were playing, uh, like just kind of like they had the computer out and they were like making pictures and videos. And, and I'm sitting there watching football and they're over there playing on the other side of the room. And all of a sudden I, I heard Nora, my six-year-old say, hi, my name is Nora. I grew up Catholic. Like that was that, that's what she said. I started dying laughing. Like she's seen a couple of Hope Story videos. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, hey, good times. Um, well, we really are glad you're here. My name is Jason. I'm the pastor at the church uh, here. And man, just a big deal that you're here with us today. Thank you so much. And it is uh, kind of Christmas season. How many people, you had your tree up before Thanksgiving? Come on, let me see your hand. If you had your tree up before Thanksgiving, all right. Everybody see all those hands? Don't trust these people, all right? Don't trust these people. They got mental problems. I'm just kidding. I like Christmas in about three weeks. I like Christmas for about 24 hours, but, I, but my wife is all about it, and so it is officially Christmas time, and, uh, and we're going to be spending some time over the next three weeks looking at some parts of the Christmas story. We'll talk about that in a second, but I want to make sure um, that you know that uh, they talked about Christmas services at the beginning of service, um, and I stepped out, so they may have mentioned these cards, but if not, I just want to make sure that you pick up a couple of these Christmas service invite cards. You can get those on your way out today. We'll make sure we have some people ready to hand those to you. But take a couple of these and just honestly, like you can just kind of spray and pray if you want to. But what we really want to have happen is for you to kind of pray to, the, to God, like what strategic conversations and opportunities. Hey, when I'm at that restaurant and that waitress or waiter, there's a connection I could leave an awesome tip and I could put this down or my neighbor or someone that I care about, uh, just really be strategic and, uh, and give them this card because there is no opportunity uh, like Christmas to invite somebody to church that needs to experience the hope of Jesus. Like they kind of already want to go. It's Christmas. That's what you're supposed to do. Like you watch Charlie Brown, you sing songs, you know, about Mary knowing and like you go to church. That's what you do. So invite somebody that you know and that you care about, and I think they'll probably, they'll probably come with you. It's going to be a good time. And take a couple of these cards with us. Uh, we're going to have three services Saturday, 23rd at 5 p.m., and two on Sunday morning, okay? For the next three weeks, we're going to talk about one of the most famous Christmas Bible verses, most famous Christmas Bible verses. And I would be willing to bet that even if you did not grow up uh, in a religious family or church, even if you never starred in any Christmas, uh, children's Christmas plays, I would be willing to bet you still know this verse, and if I get it started, you would be able to finish it. Speaking of Christmas plays, anybody in here, you were in a kid's Christmas production growing up? Come on, let me see your hand. H how many wise men do we have in the room? Anybody play wise men? Come on, let me see your hand, wise men. Any, any, any shepherds? Any shepherds in the room? Come on, shepherds. Yeah, true story. My brother and I played a shepherd. We went to this really large church in Tennessee when we were younger, and, and we played the shepherds, and we actually had real live animals. And, uh, and it was my job, your pastor, it was his job to follow the animals with the shovel. That was my job. Maybe that's why I'm scarred from Christmas plays. I don't know. Um, anybody, you're so awesome, you got to play Mary or Joseph? Come on, let me see your hand. Of course you did. Of course you played Mary. Of course you did. 
Uh, anybody, you just got to put an animal costume on? You were one of the animals? Anybody? Okay, all right. Well, even if you didn't star in a Christmas play, uh, Christmas production, I'd be willing to bet you know uh, this verse. It's in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. And just to set the scene, uh, an angel has appeared to shepherds. And Jesus is about to be here. Mary and Joseph, the water has broke. We are on the interstate going very fast, heading to the hospital. And an angel has showed up to the shepherds and begins to talk to the shepherds, which is crazy in itself. Uh, But we're going to skip past that, just act like that's normal. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of other angels show up and begin singing. And this is what they begin to say in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. They say or sing these words. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men or toward all men. I would be willing to bet you know that verse. You, you know that line. Maybe you didn't know it was actually from the Bible, but you know that line. You, you have heard that. And these are amazing words. These words are Such good news for those of us in the room who um, have put our faith in Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever thought about it, maybe not, but, but, you know, it's interesting what the angels said because they were not saying that because Jesus has come, now there's going to be peace on earth and everybody's going to be good to everybody. Because how many people know we do not have peace on earth and everybody's not good to everybody, (laughs) right? So that's not what the angels are saying is that now that Jesus has come, You know, North Korea is not going to bomb anybody, Trump's not going to tweet anybody, and everybody's going to be nice to everybody on Facebook. That's not what the angels were saying. The angels were saying, and there's actually some older translations where the Bible says, peace on earth and to those whom God is pleased. Uh, Peace to those or goodwill to whom those God is pleased. And what, what the angels were saying is that for those of us who have chosen to have a relationship with Jesus, for those of us who have, have made the decision to put your trust and your hope in Jesus, like the story that Katie just shared, or like, like we've decided that we want Jesus, we want to know God, and we, we accept Jesus, what the angels were saying is now, if you want that, you can have peace and you can experience God's goodwill. And that's pretty, that's pretty epic. That if we want it, we can have peace and experience God's good uh, goodwill. Now, I don't know about you, but I could use a little more peace in my life. Anybody in the room, you say, I could use a little more peace. I could use, I could use a little more peace. I, I wouldn't mind experiencing or feeling God's goodwill um, towards me. I, I wouldn't mind that because the truth is this world needs peace. And we just need more peace. Just some stats for you. 40 million people will experience an impairment of, uh, of an anxiety disorder this year. 40 million people will have some type of anxiety disorder. 43% of Americans take some form of mood-altering medication regularly, right? 43%. And there are 121 suicides per day in the United States. 121. This world needs peace. We need more peace. I need more peace. You need more peace. We want to experience more peace. We want to lay our heads down at night and feel more peace. Watch the news or not watch the news and feel more peace. Scroll through our Facebook feed and feel more peace. And so 
Um, what we're going to do for the next three weeks is we're going to talk about the peace that is available to you and to me because Jesus chose to come to this world and, and as a baby and he made a way for us to know God. And specifically, we're going to talk about experiencing God's peace instead of living with fear, worry, anxiety, depression, because if peace really did come, and it did, if peace really did come, then I want to experience it, and I don't want to live my life, and I'd be willing to bet that you don't want to live your life afraid, anxious, worried, worried, depressed. So today for this first week, we are going to talk about fear. Specifically, we're going to talk about our worst fears. Not just fear, but our, our, worst, our worst fears. Goodwill, the angel said goodwill to all men. That's an interesting phrase because goodwill doesn't just mean good attitude. Sometimes, you know, if we just kind of read it on the surface level, it can sound like that it's this festive, like, peace on earth and Merry Christmas, everybody. Like, we kind of mix the angels and Santa Claus together, you know, peace on earth and have a Merry Christmas. Like, that's not what the angels were saying when they said goodwill. It's more than just a good attitude. If you want to get technical about it, goodwill means having an attitude or feelings of cooperation, having an attitude of cooperation. So when the angels showed up and they said, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, and now what they were saying was, we can experience a feeling, an attitude of cooperation between us and God. And that's incredible because no one up to that point could experience that. Abraham, a solid dude. I mean, amazing guy. Could not experience the attitude and feeling of cooperation because Jesus hadn't come. Moses, awesome guy. Jesus hadn't come. Joseph, good guy. Elijah, Elisha, David, he was solid. Could not experience the same feeling and attitude of cooperation that we can experience with God because Jesus had not come. And so if we really want to just sum it all up, like paraphrase what the angels were saying, here's what they were saying, okay? This is the Jason paraphrase version. Here's what the angels were saying. Good news, everybody. You never again have to doubt that God is for you. Good news, everybody. Hey, shepherds, good news. God is for you, and you never have to doubt again. You know why? Because you have Jesus. And so anytime you think that God is not for you, all you have to do is remember that God sent Jesus. God sent Jesus. And so when I say that phrase, God is for you, I don't know what you think necessarily. I'm not sure what you think about God, but maybe you don't think God is for me. Maybe you would say, like, Jason, I don't necessarily feel like he's for me. I, I feel like God's against me. I feel like maybe God is just being nice to me right now. I feel like maybe God is setting me up. I, fe I feel like maybe God has forgotten about me. But what the angel said to the shepherds is true to you and me. That God is for us. That there is goodwill towards us. And so over the next month, as you get together and you sing songs like Silent Night and Joy to the World and Away in a Manger, what you are celebrating is God being for you. 
That's what you're celebrating. Because he sent his son, and so we have Jesus, and no matter how we're feeling or what we're thinking or what life feels like, we can be reminded, you know what? Wait a second. God sent Jesus because he is, he's for me. He's for me. He's not against me. He hasn't forgotten about me. He's for me. And the reason I bring all of that up is because as we begin to talk about fear, worry, and anxiety, or any of the crippling emotions that we deal with, we have to start with this foundational belief. God is for me. That's the foundation of everything that we're going to talk about, and it's really the foundation for your relationship with Jesus Christ, that God is for me. God, who is in complete control, will never make a decision that is not in your best interest. I'm going to say that one more time because that has the ability to change your life, okay? God is for you. What does that mean? That means that God, who is in complete control of everything that's happening in your life and in this world, will never make a decision that is not in your best interest. That's what it means for God to be for you. And so the foundation for, you know, the antidote to fear and not living with depression and worry and anxiety and all of these emotions that seem to cripple us, the foundation for all of that, the place we have to start at is this. God is for me. That God never makes a decision that's not in my best interest. You know, Jesus actually talked about fear a lot. Um, he, he, he walked around in the Gospels and he talked about fear a lot. This is actually random. But did you know that the Bible says do not fear? I think we've mentioned this. The Bible says do not fear or don't be afraid 365 times. Did you know that? How, how epic is that right there? That guy, I don't actually know if that's true, but I heard it from a guy that I trust and he probably studied it. So I'm going to go with it. But it sounds like something God would do that he would put it in there 365 times for every day of your life. I've never actually counted them, but the guy who said it's legit. So I'm going to go with that. 365 times. So that's random, but that's kind of comforting to know. Do not fear. But Jesus talked about fear a lot, and here's what's crazy. His stance on it was pretty simple. Don't fear. That was, that was Jesus' stance. Don't fear. And so we hear that and we're like, well, thanks a lot, Jesus. Like, let's pray and go home. Jesus said, don't fear. So, okay, that sums it up. Thanks a lot, right? I'm freaking out over here, Jason. I got all these things going on. I'm thinking and processing all of this information. This is not sounding or feeling very helpful. What should I do? And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus shares a few thoughts about worry and fear. It's really powerful. I want us to read it together. It's in Matthew chapter 6. Verses 31 through 34 will be up on the screen for you, or you can follow along uh, whatever you're reading on. Here's what it says. Jesus says, so don't worry about these things. These things is just all the stuff he mentioned in the verses before we get to this verse, but he sums it up and he says, don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what you're going to wear, like all the worries of life. And then he says, these things, verse 32, dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, 
Your heavenly Father already knows all you need. And we're going to keep reading in just a second, but I want you to just grasp what he said right there. He said that there are going to be all kinds of opportunities for you to worry and fear about the things in life, but what should separate someone who has a relationship with Jesus as opposed to someone who does not have a relationship with Jesus is what dominates your thoughts. And that for those of us who have put our hope and our faith and our trust in Jesus, our thoughts should not be dominated by worry, fear, anxiety, and depression. Now, somebody who doesn't know Jesus has a lot to be afraid of. There's a lot that they should, could be afraid of. But for those of us who are celebrating Christmas on the other side of a relationship with Jesus... If we really want to boil it down to its basic form, which is not incredibly helpful, we'll get to the helpful thing in just a second, but if we really want to boil it down to its basic form, we have nothing to fear. Because in the worst case scenario, we get to be with Jesus forever. Now, I know that's not helpful, but that's the reality of it, right? And so Jesus says an indicator of where your hope is and where your trust is, is what kind of thoughts dominate your thinking. And how many people know that when you're dealing with real fear, Real anxiety, real worry, real depression, it's all you can think about. Isn't that true? And what's not helpful and really makes you want to karate chop somebody in the throat is when they say, hey, snap out of it. You need to just think about other things. Like, take your mind off of it. It's like, oh, thanks for that advice. Like, you think if I could take my mind off of it, I would not have already taken my mind off of it? But it dominates our thoughts. One of the worst seasons of fear in my life was this four-day period where I was incredibly sick, so I was in the bed, which means I had nothing to do but lay there in the bed and a little medicated. So I'm laying there in the bed, and, and fear dominated my thoughts, dominated my thoughts, dominated my thoughts. And so Jesus shows up, and he's like, look, there's lots of things to worry about, but an indicator of where your trust is and your hope is and whether or not you truly believe that God is for you are the kind of thoughts that dominate your mind. And unbelievers, they fear, but we shouldn't. We keep going, seek the kingdom, verse 33, of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So, I'm going to sum it up. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. These are some interesting verses because Jesus doesn't say, don't fear because nothing bad will happen to you. He doesn't say, hey, don't fear because there's never going to be anything happen that should make you afraid. That's not what he says. As a matter of fact, he says the opposite. He's like, look, stuff's going to go bad today. And if you really want to think about tomorrow, heads up, stuff's going to go bad tomorrow. I had car trouble this morning. Come on. I mean, like you just, stuff's going to happen. Jesus' message in this verse is, don't be afraid because nothing bad will ever happen. On the contrary, it is life's going to go a little bit crazy, but you still don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. And he says, man, if you spend a lot of time thinking about tomorrow, you're going you're gonna to really come up with a long, long list. Like if I gave us all 10 minutes and said, hey, write down everything that could go wrong in your life, you could put together a pretty solid list. And Jesus says, yeah, tomorrow does have troubles. Today's got some too. And you're like, wow, Jason, we're 15, 20 minutes into this message and I don't feel any better about myself. That, that's not very helpful at all. Thanks, Jesus. 
this isn't helping, but actually, because Jesus is the great teacher, there is a really powerful principle that we just read as we were reading through those verses, but you probably didn't catch it because it doesn't seem all, all that helpful. But I believe with all of my heart, here's what I believe. I believe with all of my heart that for some of you in the room today whose thoughts are dominated, your mind is dominated by fear and worry and anxiety, I really believe that a light bulb moment is going to happen for you. Uh, one of those light bulb moments is gonna happen and the Holy Spirit is going to set you free from some fear and worry that have been dominating your thoughts, okay? So it's the last verse that we read. It's in verse 34. I want us to go back there really quick. It's just those first few words of 34. That's where the power is and what Jesus had to say. He says in 34, so don't worry about tomorrow. Everybody say tomorrow. He says, don't Worry about tomorrow. Has it ever occurred to you that everything you're afraid of is in the future? Have you ever thought about that? That there is nothing in your life that you fear from the past. Anything you have already experienced, you're not afraid of. Have you ever thought about that? That everything that you're afraid of, everything that keeps you up at night, Everything that paralyzes you and makes you worry and stress, it's all in the future. It's all in the future. It's either going to happen today in the next few hours, which technically is still classified as future, or it's going to happen beyond today. It's always in the future. Everything that you're afraid of is a what if. Have you ever thought about that? Everything. Every fear you have is a, is a what if. So what if somehow you're able to do what Jesus said and not worry about tomorrow. If somehow we were able to do what Jesus said and not worry about tomorrow, we really wouldn't have that much to worry about, would we? I mean, if we really were able to stop worrying about the future, what would we worry about? If we really stopped being afraid of the future, what would we, what would we fear? Because all of our fears and all of our worries are what if. I just put together a list. This is just a short list of things I've been afraid of, things you've told me you're afraid of, things that I think we're all afraid of. I'll just rapid fire a couple of these. Uh, don't raise your hand, but I think all of us kind of relate to some of these. What if I don't get married? That's a what if. What if I pick the wrong college? What if I can't get pregnant? What if I lose my job? What if something terrible happens to my kids? Come on, parents. We think about that all the time. What if I have cancer? What if I die? What if my kids don't serve the Lord? What if my spouse cheats on me? What if I get found out? What if I fail? What if our country goes to war? What if the stock market crashes? Like we could keep going and going and going. I could pass around the mic and you could begin to share your worst fears. And here's what you would find out about your worst fears is when you shared yours, somebody on the other side of the room would be like, yeah, that's mine too. Because all of us fear tomorrow. All of us fear things in the future. They're all in tomorrow and they're all what ifs. And the common denominator between everything that I just mentioned is that none of them are certain. Everything that I just mentioned is a possibility, but it's not a certainty. 
And if you were begin to share, if you, if you started sharing with the crowd or with me your fears, you know what the common denominator between your fears and my fears would be? It's a possibility, but it's not a certainty. You're like, no, 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 mine's a certainty. No, if we really got down to it, it would be a possibility. Now, you don't think of it like that because, because for you, the things that you're afraid of feel so certain. But could I just stop for a second and ask you to reflect back on your life? And here's what I would be willing to bet for 99.9% of us in the room is true. Most of the things you've been afraid of in your life have never happened. Like right now, you're cycling through your brain. You're like, well, no, no, I remember. It's like, no. Most of the things, almost all of the things that you have been afraid of in your life have never happened. You don't think of it like that because what happens is when a fear is unrealized, we don't keep a list of all of our unrealized fears. Well, I was afraid of this, but you know what? It didn't happen. I was afraid of this. Oh, look how faithful God is. I have nothing to fear. No, we don't remember the unrealized fears. As soon as a fear is unrealized, you know what we do? We pick a new fear. Isn't that right? So we say, well, what if I never get pregnant? Well, we get pregnant, and we don't think, well, I have no reason to fear. And then we have a kid, and we're like, well, what if they're not healthy? And then they're healthy, but we don't think, well, you know, I have no reason to fear. Then they're healthy, and we're like, well, what if they can't nurse, or what if they don't take a bottle, or whatever. Then we say, what preschool are they going to get into? And they get into a preschool or whatever. I'm just living my life here. What, what, <laughs> what elementary school do we have to apply to, right? What if they get a bad teacher? What if they don't have any friends? What if they get bad grades? What if they get addicted to drugs? What if they have bad friends? What if they end up falling in love with a loser? Like we just keep working through all of these fears. What if they don't graduate? Then they graduate, but we don't think, well, everything I've ever been afraid of about my children has never come true. We never think that thought. We think, what if they go to college and destroy their life? All in tomorrow. All in tomorrow. And most of the things you've been afraid of in your life have never happened. I would encourage you to go home today and try to come up with a list of everything you've ever been afraid of. You'll have trouble doing it. You know why? Because you forget about the things that you were afraid of that never happened. Like you would struggle to come up with them because you've let them go. You're not afraid of them anymore, but you have a whole new list of fears. Jesus shows up and says, all the fears that are in your future, all the fears that are dominating your thoughts, they're all what-if fears, every one of them. I mean, I don't want to belabor the point, but let me just stay right here one second. You give me your fears, and I'm just telling you. They're possibilities, but they're not certainties, and they're all what-if fears. Now, um, I want to read one more Bible verse to you, and uh, and it's not a Christmas story. And I felt kind of bad because, like, we're going to leave the Christmas story here for a second. Uh, but, but I just felt like we had to read this story together. And um, it's, uh, it's going to kind of bring everything together for us in these last few moments um, that, that we have. Okay? The story's in Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. And um, it's another story that you've probably heard even if you uh, – I'm flipping through my Bible like I know where that is, Daniel. Um, it's a story you've probably heard, even if you're not uh, a, a, a Christian person or a religious person, right? 
It's, it's, it's one of those stories. It's about three guys. They're named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the quick version of their story is that, is that they were officials, like government officials who loved God, but they served in a country that didn't. So their king asked them to worship a statue of him. And when they wouldn't, he threatened to throw them into the fire. And so let me just read this to you about five verses. I just want to read this to you because I think it's, it's going to bring it together, okay? Daniel chapter 3, start in verse 13. This is what it says. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And when they were brought before him, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But, what's that word? If you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately to the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, then God, whom we serve, he's able. He'll save us, right? He'll save us. He'll rescue us from your power, your majesty. But these next two words, even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Did you see it? Did you see it? When Nebuchadnezzar tried to use fear to motivate them, they, they decide not to give in to their what-if fears. What if that fire's hot? What if Nebuchadnezzar's not joking? What if we're going to die? What if we're never going to get to see our kids walk down the aisle? What if we're never, like, what if we never get married? We got a lot of light before us, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let's huddle up here. We could probably bow down, cross our fingers, say, God, forgive us before we do it. Like, there would be no problem. I could make our decision because of what I'm afraid of, but that's not what they do. That's not what they do. They said, our God can save us. He's able. But even if he doesn't, we'll go into the furnace. There's a huge difference between what if and even if, huge difference. And it is the difference between fear and faith. It's the difference between fear and faith. If I truly believe that God is for me, you may have forgotten about that, but that was at the very beginning, the foundation for it all. If I truly believe that God is for me and that the God who's in control of everything will never make a decision that's not in my best interest, I truly believe that God is for me. Then what is there to be afraid of? What's there to be afraid of? And you're like, well, actually, there's a lot to be afraid of, Jason. There's a lot. We just listed them. But what would happen if, if in your life you replaced all of your what-if fears with even if? Can I just give you a couple examples, right? Even if. I never get married. God's for me. And I know because he sent Jesus. Even if I never get pregnant, God's for me. I know. 
I don't ever have to doubt it. You know why? Because he sent Jesus. Even if I lose my job, God's for me. Well, you're unemployed. How do you know God's for me? Because he sent Jesus. Even if something terrible happens to my kids, Jason, how could you say that? That would be the worst. Oh, it would be the worst. But God's for me. And even if something terrible happened to my kids, God's for me because he sent Jesus. Even if I go to the doctor and they say, you got cancer, you know what I know? God's for me because he sent Jesus. Even if my kids never serve the Lord, you're like, what about that verse? If you raise them right, they'll return. Yeah, I know. I get it. But even if they don't, I know God's for me. You know how I know? Because he sent Jesus. Even if the stock market crashes or the politician I hate gets another term or they legalize some law or the, like, even if they do all that, I know God's for me. You know how I know? Because he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus. Roman 8 asks it like this. If God is for us and we know that he is, you know how we know? Because he sent Jesus. If God is for us, let's just take the if off of it. God is for us. Who could ever be against us? You say, well, I feel like my boss is against me. I mean, he can act like he's against you, but God is for you. You're like, well, I don't feel like it. Well, when you don't feel like it, you know how you can know God's for you? Send Jesus. As a baby. Wrapped in swaddling clothes in the manger. And you're going to sing about it all month. And Pentatonix is going to do a special on TV about it. Michael Buble is going to do a special. All month, the whole thing is just a reminder. You know what? God's for me. Every time, Mariah Carey is going to sing an off-pitch version of her hits. And when she does, just remember, God's for me. Because he sent Jesus. Maybe we could say it like this. Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, we know God's for us. If God is for us, who could be against us? Maybe we could say it like this. This is how I say it. No matter what happens to me, I know God's for me. No matter what happens to me, I know God is for me. So what are you afraid of today? I'm not making little of your fears. They feel so real. But as you begin to run down the list in your head of all the things that you're afraid of that's in tomorrow, what if you took that list and you just started marking through them as you prayed through them and you just marked out what if, you just wrote down, even if. And you go to the next one, you pray through it and you say, God, I hope that never happens. But even if it happens, just write it in. I know you're for me because you sent Jesus. Let's pray.